Dan, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I like to check in. I like to make sure that you and I are okay. Because usually we get, to, we get to text every now and again throughout the week. But this is our main bulk of talking. So I like to make sure that you're okay. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Man, you sound good. I mean, you sound good, though. I'm not going to lie to you. You sound, you sound really good. Yeah, Do that mic like sounds a, good. ASMR commercial. I, I hope not. Unless that gives us more listeners, then go for it. I know I do not sound that way. Let me, let me ask you a question. As always, related to our, our movie of the week. Have you ever been arrested? No. I've been placed in the back of a car, but never fully booked. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. I have, because... You know, fuck the police. And this is actually, I'll say, I'll say the story. My, I was about 13, 14, somewhere middle school age. And my, my dad was letting like a friend stay with us. And long story short, something happened. They got into some disagreement, whatever it was. And he was like, okay, you have to like, you have to leave. And he was like, I'm not going anywhere. So I got into this, like this huge, like shouting match, essentially. One way or another, cops are called. And they came into the house. They came into the house, arrested my dad. Like, like legit. Like, this is, I, like, this was not like the polite, like, I'm going to read you your rights and tell you what's going on. This is like New York City, like, hood cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> arrested my dad. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then, like, they threw me against the wall. For people who don't know me, I'm six foot five. I probably was about six over six foot at that time threw me against the ball arrested me did all this stuff and like i spent like a lovely one night in juvie for no reason saw saw the judge the next day and they're like why are you here and i was like i don't i don't know i'm 13, <laughs> I'm 13. i was at home what, what, what do you want me to say to this and yeah that was my experience with the popo and it was ridiculous. And listen, there's one thing I must say about juvenile detentions is that the food was fantastic. They really want to make sure you eat good. Really? What'd you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I, I, so the first thing was, I, I remember distinctly was like this really bad sandwich. It's really a terrible sandwich. And, but like once I got in there and like, like had like, I, I think I definitely had breakfast, but I had something else. And I was like, yo, people eat, people here eat really good. It must suck to turn 18 in this place. <laughs> I have to like leave. <laughs> I had a friend who got arrested when we were in another state. We were, I used to work for this motorcycle company and we would go to rallies around the country. Motorcycle rallies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm so happy you clarified what kind of rallies it was. <laughs> oh, geez. A guy that worked with us got arrested and had to spend the night like in the drunk tank. Just Came fine. back in the morning, and he was like, "I think they gave him like a stale piece of toast, a hard boiled egg, and like a carton of orange juice." <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, I I think what we've all learned today is that it can either be really bad or really good. Either way, I think I'm relating to a thin blue line more than more than you are. But shall we jump right in and say, "Hold on"? Oh yeah. <clears throat> This is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and talk about filmmaking and how to move forward or something like that. I'm Trey. Danny. And uh, listen, we're talking about the 1988 documentary, The Thin Blue Line. This is a film directed and written by Errol Morris. 
and starring its very real people, Randall Adams, David Harris, Gus Rose, Jackie Johnson. I mean, it's like starring is such a weird thing to say when we're talking about documentaries, but it's about Errol Morris. Excuse me. It's about Randall Adams. This film successfully argues that a man was wrongly convicted for murder by a corrupt justice system in Dallas County, Texas. Dan, what are your thoughts? Why did you pick this film, actually? I don't know why you picked it. Have you ever seen Documentary Now? Yes. The Fred Armisen, Bill Hader show? Yes. They, for people who don't know, they take famous documentaries and pretty much do satirical versions of them (laughs) in the exact same style that the original documentary shot. And they have a thin blue line one. And before this, that was my only reference to the movie. Other than like, other than the phrase thin blue line. So that's the only reason I wanted to watch this because I wanted to see how true the documentary now episode was. And it's pretty good. It's pretty spot on. <laughs> They're so good at, at matching styles. I mean, but, but in a case you guys have not listened, or sorry, watched the film before listening to this, which is nuts. It's what, what the documentary does so well and is credited for the most is just the reenactment part of true crime or just documentaries anyway, but like that reenactments in documentaries just wasn't a thing. Like the true crime genre wasn't a thing in 1988. Which is so weird because especially now, like murder shows are so popular that it seems, of course you'd put a reenactment or at least some sort of like imagining of what went down. (laughs) Right. Right. I I remember going out. And watching all those, and watching all those TV shows, and it being it, like it largely saying like reenactment. This is a reenactment, and you go like, yeah, of, of course. I, I know I'm not watching this in real time. Um, uh, I forget what show. There's a comedy show where they had a sketch where it was supposed to be a reenactment of a murder, and the reenactment, the person actually murdered someone. So then they had a what? reenactment of the reenactment. And then it just kept going like deeper and deeper. I think it might have been like Mr. Show or one of those sketch shows. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, that's so good. My friend, my friend, my friend in New York did a reenactment for, I forget who it was, but she did a reenactment. And I thought, what a, what a cool job as an actor to get murdered on, you know, and get paid to get murdered right quick. Not even like a, not even like a quote unquote real acting job, but just a reenactment job. I think I that's hilarious. I'm dead guy number three. Yeah. <laughs> and the Charles Manson story. It's so good. It'd be a good get. That's true. That's true. But you know, you know, no one likes. You know, you know. I'll take I'll take Charles Manson or Son of Sam. I'm not going to take like you know John Doe Killer from Idaho. Yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> I, so I I've never heard of the thin blue line. I I keep when you said it, I thought, oh yeah, a thin line between love and hate. And then I read it again, and I was like, that's not what Dan said me. <laughs> so I, I've never heard of it, but I really appreciate. I feel like this is going to be a quick episode because I don't have much to say about it. Well, also, being that it's a documentary, we're not going to really talk about the story much or like character right. development or anything like we normally do. Because there isn't much. I mean, like, there isn't much. Like, long story short, like I said, it's about someone who is wrongly convicted. And I, I think this is in the like film history world, this is one of the 
first documentaries to really put true crime as a genre on the map and allow it to kind of flourish into what we have today. I, I, I would credit this movie to that. I, I don't know yeah, all the documentaries a, in all the world, but I think I, go on. I was just, there's definitely a direct line between this and my favorite murder or the golden state killer or like all the recent true crime things. Cause it's right. like a huge podcast and TV document like style now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, someone showed that like I, because of the player that I was watching it on allowed me to play with speeds. I actually, for a minute, just, just put it up to two, to two times speed. And I was like, I don't even need to watch this. I can listen to this like a podcast and I wouldn't be missing a thing. And like, of course the whole idea is that you want to have reenactments and all, and all of that stuff. But like, I think, I think a testament to the craft of this film is of course, if you're going to sit down and watch it, you want these visuals, but at the same time, what is being said just by the the interviews that happen. And so, like, we don't, first of all, we don't get interviews like this on camera anymore. We just don't, we don't get that anymore. So there was something about it that I was like, this is kind of amazing that we're potentially talking to the guy that committed this crime or <laughs> like in a jail. We're talking to the guy who, like the main guy who we're following in a jail. And then we're talking like, we're talking to the police officers that were directly involved. And I feel like these days it's like, oh, I can't talk about that because the case is so active. You know, whatever reason we can't talk about that. Or like I don't know the last time we had an interview. Like maybe Casey Anthony is someone who I'm thinking of, where like we saw an interview of her in jail, or like maybe she didn't go to jail, did she? Like some like yeah, random person. There was like some random person where like she was in jail or he was in jail and like we had we maybe had an interview, but it just doesn't happen anymore. And I remember that being such a big deal growing up of like for the first time after being convicted, so-and-so speaks. Like that was that was so cool. It was great. And now when I watch documentaries, if they have the person or someone directly linked to whatever case they're talking about, that's always the sign to me that, oh, this is gonna be a good documentary. Because there's it's been documentaries be good, you know. about like multiple documentaries about murders or about famous cases but the ones that don't get anyone or they get like this person's the neighbor of the victim it's like oh that's yeah yeah, yeah. Not, not good. i mean you you and i watched the two richard Pryor documentaries one had his family mm-hmm. one did not and right. I, I can't remember which one we liked more but i can only assume that we liked the one that had his family had people who worked with him had people who knew him etc yeah. people like having those first person encounters being told to you is different from yeah, I saw him in a supermarket once. Or this person wrote a book about him. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I, like I, that means nothing to me. Yeah. Do you know about Errol Morris's invention? No. Go on. He invented a type of camera. I don't know if he used it for this or if it came after this documentary called the Interatron. Oh, he first used it in 97. But his style led to the invention of this. And it was essentially okay. a a two camera setup between him and the interviewee, but in front of the camera oh. they would have like a teleprompter projecting the other person. Yeah. So even though they were looking at the camera, they were seeing the person they were talking to. So it felt way more personal. He right. first used it in a uh, fast, cheap, and out of control in 1997, but it's his. I, I, it became like his signature style of 
the person talking directly to the camera, but it doesn't feel right. like they're talking to the camera because they're looking at the interviewer. But I think That's his style wild, is really, you could see the, the, the seeds of this in right. the way that he interviews these people. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, when you look at photos, it's a, it's a weird invention. And I appreciate that. I will, again, I will say, I don't know what it was like for all documentaries back in 1988 dealing with this kind of subject matter, but there was something kind of brutally honest about the way those conversations are working. And I think it's, I, I, I just thought like it was just his style. And again, I just don't think we get those kinds of, that kind of rawness. These, like now, I feel like everything's very much like, I know a camera's on me. I know what this can do to my life. Meanwhile, I feel like, you know, 30 years ago, people were like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to talk to the camera and tell them what happened. Like, first of all, the guy who is his name, David Harris, David Harris, mm-hmm. like that guy's a sociopath. Like he clearly did not care. <laughs> I like that at the beginning, I was trying to figure out who actually did it. And the fact that yeah. both these guys are in jail, I was like, oh, okay, well, one of them clearly, <laughs> he's got a, he's got a pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't he, he, yeah, and Jeff for another murder that he didn't exactly confess to at first, but was friends with the cops enough to be like, yeah, so I shot the guy. <laughs> I also like, he started this documentary as just talking about someone else and it changed right. as it, as he started shooting it he realized, wait a minute, there's this crazy case in Dallas, which I think helps in making the film helps make it, like you said, seem more open and genuine. Cause I think right. either, presumably as they were shooting it, they were like, let's see how this goes as we, as we go. Like, I don't think they really had yeah, an yeah. end game, which lends itself to the, to the genuine responses that you see. I mean, I, I think I, I read on wiki, I believe that it took, he, it took him about two and a half years of convincing everyone to kind of get in line to interview whether, whether or not it was, you know, a lead up of two and a half years or whether or not he was just like doing these bits and pieces and trying to figure mm-hmm. things out. I don't know. It's, it's honestly a thing about documentaries that I don't understand. And I, I admire, like I, I really admire is following a story that's kind of unfolding either as it happens or in this case, like figuring out these bits and pieces and like, okay, we're going to follow this thread. We're going to follow that thread. We're going to ask these questions because I can't imagine that like David Harris or Brando Adams while in jail have infinite time to be doing these interviews. Yeah. I imagine like some, 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 somebody higher up in the jail. It's like, okay, you can do this like three times. You can do this, this set amount of times. We're not going to like just have this guy have fun, quote unquote, have fun by making a movie, you know? Also, Errol Morris did like, he did the research and essentially investigating and looking further into this. Like he did like true detective work <laughs> as he was making this. So he, he is a PI as far as I know. Before he, before this, he was a PI. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Again, just what I read, but how hilarious is that? Um, I, I think, I think you have to be, even if I wasn't a PI, I'd be like, yo, I, after this, after figuring this one out, I need to get into this kind of work, how unrecognizable this genre was, or this style was of, you know, reenactments and all that. Like he, he didn't even get any Oscar nominations because they didn't recognize, like it was too, it was too scripted for them. And now the script, 
this seems like Every such day. a like prime candidate for an Oscar. I mean, it, like looking on, looking on Wikipedia alone. Right. It, well, exactly. Looking at Wikipedia and IMDb, it only has a handful of a handful of awards, let alone nominations. Meanwhile, of course, it, it has so many accolades for what the film has done for film as a whole. And I, I think that's kind of the trade-off when you're kind of doing something new. And I think I think I was reading something recently about how Tenet was maybe like the third or fourth film from Christopher Nolan to get like a VFX award. And it was appreciation for like Christopher Nolan, but it was much more like, look at this action movie that's considered like, again, quote unquote art. It, it is art. I'm not quoting art. I just mean like Academy Awards and how they kind of judge things. It's considered art enough to get this award to, to you know, show the world that it, you know, it, it's one on like a higher caliber. Hmm. And it's, it's just interesting. It's just interesting that like we don't always respect or see genres kind of taking shape in front of our eyes and, and being inventive despite, you know, cause you can't, you can't go back and get awards, can you? But you know, this was inducted into the library of Congress, library of Congress. Is that right? And yeah, like it, again, just so many accolades for this film. Did you know that Randall Adams sued him after he got out of jail? I did, which is hilarious. Go on. Tell me why. He sued him for the rights to his life story. Which apparently Errol Morris had. That's <laughs> so funny. That's so funny. I guess that's what he signed in the release. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's such a weird thing. I, I imagine. Here's what I imagine. I imagine he signed it away. He signed his life rights away because this is his chance to put a story on. He signed he's in jail. Paper. What else you got? And then you get out of jail. You don't get any money because of whatever legal loophole that I read. Like, typically, if you are wrong, I, I, I don't think he got out because he was wrongfully convicted. I think he got out because the DA didn't want to pursue the charges again. So hmm. because of this, if I'm saying this properly, because of this, he wasn't given any money for the years that he spent in jail. Was it 12, 14 years or something like that? Yes. Yeah, um, so to come out and then go, I don't even have the rights to my life to write yeah, a book, to, to write talk a book. about. Which I, I don't think he did, but I, I can't do anything without having nice to. Kind of possibility. Hey, if I want to capitalize on this, I can. Exactly. Exactly. And he didn't, which is super fucking What's sad. the point of getting wrongfully um, convicted if you can't even write a book about it? I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, right? That's Isn't that America? Is that not 21st century America? Is that girl Whatever. that killed her roommate? Oh my God. Wait, hold on. I'm actually thinking about Italy. Is this girl Italy or America? It was, she's American, but it was in Italy. I got her name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Amanda Knox. Amanda Knox. Wasn't that whole thing? <laughs> she ended up being not guilty, right? Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. And, she has a, and look at her. And she's she's making rounds. <laughs> she's probably got a book or two. She's definitely have, she has at least one book and tw- from 2013. I think even Casey, Casey just, Anthony has a book. I think it's a parenting yo, book. Casey though. Anthony. No, no. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. What to expect when you're expecting? <laughs> when you're expecting to murder your child. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Okay. I see a bunch of books about Casey Anthony, but no books from Casey Anthony. Good job. 
Good job, world. Good job. Thank you, universe. You're you're not too bad after all. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Go for it. Glass scored the the film, which I love. That really added to the ability to listen and not necessarily watch. Yeah. Like when they had the reenactments, they just had this like soft, beautiful piano playing. I was like, ah, I can just rest Mm. my eyes for a minute. That's that's what I'm telling you. Like it it just, I I was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just listen. I'm going to, like, it was just such an auditory experience as much as it was a visual one. And again, I, I think, I, part of me, part of me was like, "Oh, this is boring." Been there, done that. <laughs> it did like, seem very familiar, like too familiar, right? Style wise, right? But, but like, what? Do you, that's not. That's not. That's not the film's fault. I think it's everyone else's fault who kind of comes around from it. You know? Yeah, I think it's everything that comes in the wake of it, and how it's changed, and how it's stayed the same more than anything. In an interview, Errol Morris, when asked why he chose Philip Glass, he said, because he does existential dread better than anyone. He's the master of existential (laughs) dread. Not wrong at all. But I guess also being able to identify that in a person. Again, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm super in awe about it. Anyways, I have nothing else about this movie. You seem to have all the facts about this movie, which I'm quite surprised about. Oh, I just have tabs open. <laughs> While you were talking, I was looking at Emma Knox's Instagram. And guess what? If you, if you had to guess, would you say she's doing pretty okay for herself? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, she's doing fantastic for herself. She, she is. Like, in terms of public opinion, I feel like she came on the the upside of all this. I feel like people are pro Amanda Knox. They are. She even She's even verified on Instagram. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure why. I haven't followed the story since, like, <coughs> excuse me. I haven't followed the story since, like, she got out of jail. It says she's been exonerated. Yeah. I I really need to know more about Emma Knox because I'm, I'm, I'm very much so intrigued. But that's not what this is about. Dan, I'm going to let you go first if you'd like to take it away. All right. I'm going to start. And I'm going to say, this movie is not required. <laughs> oh, snap. Record scratch. <laughs> it's for sure a good documentary, and I can see the direct parallels between documentaries now, true crime documentaries. I mean, the whole yeah. true crime craze and this documentary. So unless you're watching it just to be like, hey, where did this all start? It didn't really do it for me. Like, it didn't really capture me. I appreciate it and could see the influences and the elements to the style that lend itself to the genre. But it still was paced so slowly. And I think if anything, it's just, I'm spoiled (laughs) with good documentaries now. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk. Also maybe documentary now ruined it for me because I could just, Every time they had something, I would just picture the the parody version. Right, right, right. No, fair enough. I, I think I, I do think that's fair. Sorry, I, I don't know if I cut you off. I apologize. Oh no, no, no. Your turn. So I would agree with you. 
very much. I, I would agree with you very much. I, I, I don't think this is required watching. I find that while an intriguing story, I don't know. Like, like you said, I think, I think there are things now that do it in a way that is a bit, that has a lot more learnings from it. Like whether that's the audio version, which, you know, like serial came out of the gate and said, now, like, let's, let's show the world something a bit different. And of course it had a case that was a bunch more complicated. Like you said, a documentary now that, that kind of pokes fun at this genre altogether. I think I think this is certainly where we get our our craving, our need for true for true crime. But I don't know if it offers the same appeal or the same educational value as it did before. From an entertainment standpoint, I, I do find, I do find myself as a whole entertained, but not necessarily engulfed in in the movie like i definitely found myself going what can i do while doing this what can like what can i what other tasks what like other menial tasks can i do while doing this can i check my email can i do this can i do that like, yeah that, that's captivate me like other documentaries have and you wanted to like i think i think you wanted to you wanted to obviously captivate you you wanted to be able to yeah yeah feed you good vibes Good vibes all the way, man. Yeah, that's I, I. I have I have nothing else for this bad boy. Cool. Listen, I, I I love that he was. I love that Earl Morris was a PI. I love that he invented this camera. I truly, I truly appreciate what this movie as a whole kind of did for did for the like film. But yeah, anyways, definitely. Anyways, oh, yeah, but they don't make it good. <laughs> they don't make it good. Um, listen, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this film and you'd like to help us support the show, please share it. Share it online. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And if you want to be a part of all of the nonsense that we're talking about here, suggest a movie for us. We, we don't, we, you know, we, we go lowbrow, we go highbrow, we go middlebrow. So suggest something. And yeah, to catch all the latest from the show, from me, uh, from the show anyway, you can catch us at Required Watch on Instagram and Twitter, and you can catch me at Trey.Eps on Instagram and TreyEps on Twitter. How about you, Dan? Where you is? I'm at Danny Tavener, every place. Ooh, girl. Ooh, baby. Uh, that's fantastic. Listen, until next week, Dan, I will catch you on the flippers. Peace. Later. <laughs>